So, something I've never heard anybody say is, I love waiting. It's just not something we typically enjoy. Uh, Waiting is something that's hard. Uh, Whether you're waiting on someone to arrive and they're running late. And if you've ever had an appointment with me, you might know what that's like because I'm one of those people that time is is tough for me to get a handle on. And so I'm one of those people that's kind of perpetually running three minutes late, five minutes late, and maybe later than that. And, uh, and I never mean to disrespect anyone else's time. It's one of the, I'm one of those people. Uh, punctuality uh, is, uh, it evades me. And so, uh, but sometimes we're waiting on other things. Not just someone else. Sometimes we're waiting on people. Sometimes we're waiting on answers. Sometimes we're waiting on making a decision. Sometimes we're waiting on God, aren't we? Children of God, we we put things before God in prayer and we wait for answers. And sometimes those answers can be reasonably quick and sometimes it can take a while. Sometimes days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and as we're going to see in just a moment, sometimes months can turn into years, even decades. We look this morning at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths will grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Powerful words there. I love right there how that section begins. You know, do you not know, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God? the creator of the ends of the earth. And so this section of scripture reminding us that sometimes we have to be willing to wait on the Lord. And those that are willing, He will renew our strength when the time is right. Holy Scripture is full of examples of faithful servants of God who had to wait Scholars estimate that when Noah got word that he was to build a boat, to build that ark, he didn't have a whole crew of shipbuilders who could work round the clock. 
it was just him and his sons. And so they go to work building a big old boat for something that in their minds they couldn't even imagine, couldn't wrap their head around what was going to happen. But in faith, they go to work. And scholars estimate that it could have easily been about 55 to 75 years from the time that Noah heard those instructions from the Lord. Make it this big, this many cubits by this many cubits, until the time that the animals, two by two, actually arrived on the ark and the rain started falling. 55 to 75 years. Can you imagine the kind of faith that something like that takes? Several decades of faithfulness wondering, is this really going to happen? Or am I going to be the biggest laughing stock the world has ever seen? Or we can look at Abraham. 25 years from the time that God promises him an heir until the time that Isaac is born. And we can sort of sit back and armchair quarterback what's going on in those middle chapters of Genesis. And we can say, boy, Sarah should have had more faith. Why did she get so impatient and then start involving Hagar in all this? Taking matters into her own hand. Why did, why did Abraham go along with that? 25 years, church. That's a good while to wait on a promise to be fulfilled. Or we look at Joseph. Those years after being sold into slavery, winding up in Egypt, and he is working in Potiphar's household. And then being wrongly accused of something and spending time in jail. Thirteen years between the time he sold into slavery until the time that he is made one of those governors in Egypt. And Pharaoh trusts him and gives him responsibility. Thirteen years. It's a long time to wait. Even Job suffering for those 12 months. Now, compared to 55 years or 25 years, 13 years, 12 months might seem like a walk in the park. But this is a guy who had just lost all of his children. He is grieving the loss of of his family. And then now he is stricken with severe pain that his friends, when they lay eyes on him, all they can do is weep initially because he does not look like the friend that they knew. He is almost unrecognizable. 
sentenced to 12 months might seem like no big deal. But when you're sitting every day waiting, wondering why did this happen, I want my day in court, he's asking for. I want someone to explain this to me. When you get to Job chapter 38 and God begins to speak, Job is answered. But he had to do some serious, painful waiting in order to get there. In the New Testament, we see in the second chapter of Acts that the Holy Spirit comes on the, the, the disciples at Pentecost. And if you think about it, from the time of the resurrection until the time of this festival in which they experience the Holy Spirit in a very real and unusual way, it was only about seven weeks since Jesus had promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. But you put yourself in their shoes. You put yourself in the shoes of people who walked away from their vocation, their livelihood. In some cases, walked away from the family business. See you, Dad. Good luck with the fishing business. We're going to follow this guy. And they do that for about three years. And then he's gone. And you're trying to make sense of all that. You're trying to understand what was all this. Was it all for nothing? I mean, he did conquer death, but what are we supposed to do now? What does all this mean? They're thinking about what he said. Well, you remember he said this. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Well, I remember one time he said this. Oh, yeah. Remember when he talked to us about the vine and the branches and about someone who was coming, an advocate, that he had to leave so they would come and it would be a guide and a comforter? What, what, what is that? What exactly was he promising us? And then finally it happens. But those seven weeks were seven long weeks for those men. Trying to make sense of it all. Think about the woman in Mark chapter 5. She has been suffering from a hemorrhage, bleeding for 12 years. And she says to herself, you know, this Jesus, if I can catch him when he's coming through the crowd, if I can just, if I can just, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, the one who allows the blind to see, and makes the lame walk again. 
if I can just touch just the edge of his garment, the hem of his garment, for just a moment as he passes by, I think I could experience the healing that I've been seeking for these 12 long years. Mark even tells us that she had spent all her money going to see doctors. Diagnosis after diagnosis, recommended treatment after recommended treatment, and nothing is working. And you have to remember, under Jewish law, she would have been separated from people. Her life is more than just an illness. She is separated from the people around her for 12 long years. And oh, to have that faith to just say, I I don't even need Him to, to see me. I don't even need Him to acknowledge me. I just need to grab the edge of His robe as He's passing by. If you know the story, you know that Jesus stops dead in his tracks and says, Hey, somebody touched me. Well, members of the 12 are like, Hey, boss, of course somebody touched you. There's a crowd of people here, man. It's elbow to elbow. Of course somebody touched you. What are you talking about? And he says, No, power went out of me. Power went out of him. Her faith drew that power, church. That's faith. That's powerful. And then he sees her in her humility. She comes and says, okay, it was me. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one who disrupted your day, didn't mean to do it. And he says, hey, it's okay, daughter. It's okay. Because you have faith. And in Luke chapter 7, we meet another woman. One who shows up with a jar of perfume. Shows up at someone's house. Does something that is just flabbergasting to those in attendance. Those righteous people in the house that day. As she pours that on his feet and dries his feet with her hair. And then they start mumbling. Oh my goodness. How did she even get in here? Well, if he really knows what's going on around him, surely he would know that this is a sinful woman who is anointing his feet. 
And then Jesus says, you know, I entered your house as a guest and, you know, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't show me the hospitality that is expected of in, in that day, in that culture. It's like, hey, you invited me just to be some sort of little show. But this woman, the one you look down on, the one you call a sinner, in so many words, Jesus says she's the one who gets it. And he tells this little story. He says, you tell me, who's going to be more grateful? Someone who has been relieved or forgiven of a small debt? Or someone who has been relieved and had that larger debt canceled? The host says, well, I suppose it's that person who has that larger debt that gets canceled. He's like, yeah. Right here she is. And that's why she's humble. And that's why she's grateful. We have no idea, church, how long that woman waited to hear those words. Your sins are forgiven. But aren't those beautiful words? Rick, true to form, this morning let us in remember not the sins of last week. Right, Rick? But as I often say, hey, what about the sins of yesterday? What about the sins maybe of, of earlier today? There's a lot of days that by 11.15 or so in the morning, we've already done something, said something, thought something that is unsavory. That we have fallen short yet again. But why do we gather around this table every Sunday morning? We come together, it's to remember a Lord who was willing to lay down His life for every one of those sins. If we just have a repentant heart. Church, aren't those beautiful words to hear? Your sins are forgiven. And so we've got about a hundred people gathered here this morning. And I wonder how many of us are in a season of waiting right now? How many of us have been approaching God, waiting for an answer, waiting for that financial breakthrough? waiting for uh, a debt to be able to be paid back, waiting for some kind of physical healing, waiting for something we don't talk about much, 
waiting for emotional or mental healing. Waiting for our grief to be eased just a bit. Waiting for answers on which direction to turn in life. And the list can go on and on and on, right church? Because we often find ourselves, whether it's a brief season or a long season, find ourselves waiting. Maybe you're waiting on God to intervene in someone else's life. Someone that you've been praying for. Someone that you put, someone's name that you put before the Lord every single day in prayer. God, please touch their heart and help them to turn to you once and for all. Let them become counted among your children, Lord. Maybe it's somebody who's going down a wrong path, making wrong decisions. They've hurt their life, they've hurt the lives of others, and you're saying, Lord, I've been asking you, not for weeks, not for months, not for years, Lord God, now it's decades! When? When is it going to happen? And church family, all I can tell you this morning is our God is real. And our God is faithful. And our God does answer prayers. Sometimes people use their free will to never turn to God the way He desires. And we can't explain that or understand that. But I will tell you this. Our Bibles are full of people who knew what it was like to wait. These seven or so examples that I gave are just the tip of the iceberg. We could talk about how long Moses waited. How long that he was sort of in that hallway, as we say. Because, right, we always say, when, when one door closes, another door opens. But we fail to consider how long someone might be in that hallway waiting for that next door to open. And sometimes the time in the hallway is so painful and so difficult. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Moses fled. He married into a Midianite family. And then one day he's tending to the sheep and there's that burning bush. And there's the voice of God saying, Okay, you've waited long enough. It's time to go to work. 
I've got a job for you. And then sometimes, like Moses, we got so used to waiting that it's hard to kick it into gear, right? Oh Lord, I've been waiting on an answer from you, but this wasn't what I was looking for. Oh Lord, I, I know I've been asking for this, but this isn't what I thought it would look like. Oh, now Lord, I think you need to find somebody else. And what did Moses do? He tested the Lord's anger, right? Scripture tells us his anger burned against Moses. Not a good place to be. And so we have to be people who learn to wait on the Lord. But then, when the Lord answers us, we have to be people who are trusting enough and faithful enough to say, okay, it doesn't look the way I thought it would look. But, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And not people who say, oh, no, Lord, didn't you hear my prayer? That's not what I wanted. You go to Romans chapter 5. And looking at these first five verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so we see right there that when we wait, when we wait in our suffering, Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame. Why would Paul write those words, church family, that hope does not put us to shame? It's because God comes through. God is faithful. God fulfills every single one of His promises. It may take weeks, it may take months, years, or decades, but God fulfills His promises. As we close out our time together this morning, we look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Now what does it say about time, church? It says in your time, right? No. It says in due time. What's due time? 
That's God's time. And we have to be willing to wait for God's time. Church family, I've never once heard someone say, I love waiting. I love waiting for answers. I love waiting around. I love wringing my hands, wondering when it's going to happen. No, it's not pleasant. But Scripture encourages us to learn to wait and that we are rewarded for the process of waiting. If you're with us this morning and you've not yet begun that walk with God, that relationship with God that comes through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, we offer an invitation this morning to give you the opportunity to become a child of God today. If you're with us this morning and you would appreciate the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ, something's, something you're dealing with, something's weighing on you, then we offer the invitation for that reason as well. Let's stand together and sing. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord.